You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Himalaya Podcast app, basically wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on a Monday and a special podcast for you because in our Locked On NBA mock draft, which we'll have coming up in about a week and a half for you all, there has been an Anthony Davis trade. I've been talking a little bit about it on the podcast the past week or so, but we finally got a deal done. And I think this is, again, a very interesting exercise to do. We'll go into why in a second here. I'll let you know what the deal was. Then we've got John Corrales, my co-host of the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, coming on to talk about the deal because Anthony Davis, we shipped him off to the Boston Celtics. I'll let you know what the return was in just a moment. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So before we get into all that, don't forget, download the Himalaya podcast app and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. It is free, super easy to use, and they've got every podcast you love or are searching for, as well as personally curated playlists just made for you by their podcast tastemakers. They've got themed collections of shows, whether that's comedy, mystery, thriller, sports, whatever it is. You can also follow along to both your show, your favorite shows and content creators. The Himalaya podcast app is the way to go. So download it from the App Store or the Google Play Store, and don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. So the Locked On NBA mock draft is coming, and it meant I was in an interesting position. Not that I was just excited to take Zion Williamson number one overall. Spoiler alert, that's what happened. Um, It's that we had to kind of figure out if we wanted to make this realistic, and that meant kind of involving AD into this and moving on from him and figuring out a trade because likely there was going to be some draft compensation involved. So I've talked about it a lot over the past week and ultimately came down to the Los Angeles Clippers and the Boston. Boston Celtics, and I've chosen the Boston Celtics on where we want to send AD. And we're going to bring on John Corrales of the Locked On Celtics podcast here in a minute for a crossover edition uh, of the podcast. But the deal ended up being Anthony Davis moving out in exchange for Jason Tatum being the centerpiece of this, Marcus Smart to make the salary work a lot, Robert Williams working as well, um, in, in just kind of being filler in there because why not? It's a center. He's a guy who can play, potentially start. You've also then get the Memphis pick, which is top six protected next year and then unprotected the year after that, as well as the upcoming 14th pick in the NBA draft, um, a pick that I actually like a lot. So let's start there. And it's because there's a big drop off between three and four in this draft. And the difference between maybe the fourth pick and the 14th pick isn't so pronounced as it would be in other years. I think largely from like four to 10, four to 12, four to 14, let's say, is kind of kind of largely, largely just be role players and nothing too exciting. You can maybe get a nice guy there that can be a, a, a rotation piece for you. But if you're picking 14 versus four, it's probably not the end of the world, meaning you'll get a guy. It could be someone that works out or it just may not, as all draft picks are. But that's an intriguing draft pick too, because you can still keep adding youth to the team 
Tatum's there as well, who has a lot of room to grow and develop. It's only been in the league for two years. Robert Williams, eh, filler. But that Memphis pick is probably the most valuable draft asset you were going to get back outside of the third pick in this coming draft, I think, because it could land almost anywhere, potentially being top three, top four, top five in two years when it is unprotected. So you kind of get everything that David Griffin was looking for in this package. You get the young guy that you can kind of build around the centerpiece of the trade, the draft compensation. And don't sleep on Marcus Smart, who's been pretty good and an all-defense level player. And pairing him in the backcourt with Drew Holiday is going to be a lot of fun. Also a guy that you can flip later down the line if you want more draft capital back. So we're going to do the reset here. Then we're going to bring on John Krause of Locked On Celtics. And we're just going to kind of dive into it. And you guys can hear the conversation between the two of us. So before we do get to that, though, the Locked On NBA mock draft coming. It's going to be exciting. We're going to go through all of the picks in the first round with the rationale behind it. A couple of other trade surprises in there as well. So make sure, go to the Himalaya podcast app. Other than Locked On Pelicans, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. Jake, I am very happy that this trade worked out. Not only because we get theoretical Anthony Davis and I get to keep theoretical Kyrie Irving, but in all of my pieces that I've been writing, building the Celtics roster, I've used this particular trade as my jumping off point. So first of all, I want to thank you for agreeing and saying that this is a trade that the Pelicans would be interested in, or at least to some degree, uh, what what was it about this deal, which Smart, Tatum, the 14th pick, which in this scenario we make for you, sign yeah. and put in the trade to aggregate the salaries, and then uh, Robert Williams and the Memphis pick. What, so, what so, about that is works for you? Good. So first off, just so people realize, like this doesn't happen till what, like August, I think, is when the trade would be like official then, something like that. Isn't it 30 it w- days from signing the pick? Yeah, you have to. So the Celtics would probably sign him as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, and then 30 days later, the actual trade would happen, which yeah. is a long time. And, y- yeah, but you know, we've, we've seen this before. It happened with Kevin Love and Andrew Wiggins, where they needed Wiggins salary in there from the Cavs. So, like, you know, you agree upon it. Like, no one goes back on these type of deals, I don't think. No, no, of course not. And then because in that case, what the Celtics would do is go to Kyrie Irving and say, here's what we got. And in 30 days, it's going to happen. By then, Kyrie will have opted out, re-signed, because you need to wait for him to do that anyway. Yep. So you can't make a trade, a, a draft night trade anyway. So once it does give time for all of that to happen, Kyrie can, even if he hems and haws, like it's you can still go with him and sign and, and open up that that room now for uh, that, that Rose Rule thing. So that gets yeah. all cleared up. So somewhere around the end of July, that would, beginning of August, the trade would become official. official yeah, okay. Official. So like, cool. Technicalities out of the way. So the reason I base, so I had a number of offers and I know we're going to talk about that in the second segment here. Part of the reason I did this was also it's a fake muck draft and I just didn't want to hold things up for too long. Like that was part <laughs> of my like reasoning for like getting a deal done. I was going into this being like, I'm going to be a serious GM and then like work and life gets in the way. And I'm like, I'm going to take Boston's offer, uh, which is probably still the best offer out there. So I wonder if I could have negotiated you up a little bit more, but this is not like a game theory 
class that we're taking or a negotiations class where it's like, let me just like, you know, get every ounce out of you. But there's a lot in this offer. And I think it kind of fits a lot of the criteria that David Griffin is looking for. And we've heard him talk about this actually on NBA TV and Sirius Radio when he was uh, working as an analyst saying he wants to get a young guy he can see being an all-NBA, all-star back. You want that draft compensation and you want a pretty good role player that just kind of fits in and maybe gives you more to the team than the on-court production. And this kind of satisfies all of that. You the you know, the centerpiece is obviously Jason Tatum, a guy who's been two years into the league now, who some people are high on, some people aren't. I'm higher than most others are on him. Otherwise, I probably don't do this deal. So you kind of build it around that. It's at that wing position, which for the Pelicans has been a huge position of need for something like a decade now, since probably Peja Stojakovic was here. So fix that, plug that spot in. And then you get the draft compensation. The 14th pick in this draft, I think, is pretty equivalent to something like maybe, you know, the 6th, 7th, 8th potentially, because that mid-tier of guys are all largely the same. You get that future draft compensation from the Memphis Grizzlies, which, you know, at the worst is maybe going to be something like 7 next year so that's going to be up there with potential to be even better further down the line depending on how bad Memphis gets and what they do so you can hit gold on that and then you know you've got just kind of the filler you've got Time Lord in there and I'm excited if he comes here to start using <laughs> that nickname um, who showed some flashes in very limited minutes and then you get Marcus Smart who's not only that great role player but fits in really well with Drew Holiday in the backcourt but also he's someone you could flip further down the line if you needed to and potentially get more draft assets or maybe someone even younger than he is because he's on a pretty reasonable contract yeah yeah his deal is he's on like 12 uh just over 12 million for this upcoming season 12 and a half for this upcoming season uh it it hurts me more to trade him than it hurt than than tatum to be honest with you because smart (laughs) Is like we 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 would keep in this scenario Jalen Brown and and it's very important to me to keep one of those two, and I've been toying around with the idea of like if they if they did Smart Tatum and Brown like I think that's that's the killer deal like that you can't turn that deal down. No, if if, was, if both those guys are on the table and I like I'm less high on Jalen Brown and is him coming up in a year for a big contract worries me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, with everything going on, but you can also flip him. So, you know, that shouldn't be hard to trade him if you needed to. So that's why it's like, if you can get all three of those guys, yeah, you, you take that any day it's offered. Yeah. So, but for me, I get to keep Jalen, which, which I like, um, I needed to keep one of those two smart. We were talking this, uh, talking about this in the last podcast and, and Jay King was, it made a great point that people are undervaluing smart in this deal like he's in there because he has to be because he his salary at 12 and a half makes everything work it it allows the celtics to get away with offering something that's not tatum and brown but at the same time smart is a hell of a point guard like i think he can be a really good backup point guard And, and once he's on your team you look at him and you say, oh, wow, yeah, he can, he can pass. He understands what's happening on the floor extraordinarily well. He sees things. He sees two, three plays ahead. Um, sometimes he's prone to his own like hero ball from time to time, but he's, he's tempered that a lot. And obviously he's all defense. Uh, you could roll out him and Drew Holiday together, and no one, no one is scoring on you guys. Like That's, that, that's going to be a wildly uh, lockdown defensive backcourt. 
Um, the thing that I like for you, and we've talked about this on the Lockdown NBA, is how this staggers things for the Pelicans. You draft Zion, so there's your rookie. You've got Robert Williams in his second year. Tatum's in his third year. Smart's under contract for three more years. And that Memphis pick could, in a best-case scenario, I think it conveys in two years and becomes a top-five pick because Memphis has to trade Mike Conley now, and they're going to be bad. In two years, if they're still bad, if they're still – and it's reasonable that they'll slowly improve, but not that – you could have a top-five pick – and then with Zion in his now going into his third year and all of these other guys kind of panning out and whatever, Tatum will be on a new contract. You get a rookie, a guy on a rookie deal who somewhere in the course of four years could be a helpful guy on a rookie contract, which is exactly what you need. Because by then, that's when you're thinking you're a contender, I would say. Like in three years yeah, after it's, making it's- this deal – it's it's three from now is kind of what you're looking at where, you, you know, it's like going to be like the last run of Drew Holiday with this team, if assuming he stays, which I think he will, that, yeah, that's kind of when you want to uh, kind of make your moves and you want as much flexibility as possible during that window. Yeah, so I think the way everything plays out contract-wise, that also just a one added element because you can make decisions. Like, you you'll have to give Tatum – uh, a deal like he's going to be restricted in two seasons. So the summer of 2021. So you still got him for two more full seasons to figure out exactly what his value mm-hmm. is. And, and I think that's important because you, you don't want to have to have three guys all coming up at the same time. And then you become like, well, we went from right around the cap to suddenly a taxpayer. It's just that, that explosion makes it, less yeah. palatable no and that's hugely important this having Jalen Brown for two or sorry uh Jason Tatum for two more years versus one year of Jalen Brown before you need to pay him and, ta- and both those guys will get paid and if you look at the free agent class for when um Jalen Brown comes up like he's gonna probably get him like that max you know rookie extension possible even if it's just a, an offer sheet from another team um for the like limited wings during that free agency period uh, like after one year you know when Zion's still kind of developing like I have no idea if that's what I want to do there yet we've been burned by Eric Gordon with that here before in New Orleans so it scared me off a little bit to be honest but two years of Jason Tatum that's big everyone else is still staggered properly like I'm fine with what Marcus Smart's making you've got to pay someone to be on a roster so all of that was a huge factor and when evaluating this against other deals that was a real big factor as well when I and again we'll talk about it in the next part here when I was looking at say like the Clippers the fact that everyone's so young is hugely appealing because one you have so much flexibility to bring on other contracts and use your cap space as an asset and then everyone's cost controlled but also you don't want to be too young and you want to get some guys with experience and with Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, Tatum, Zion and someone starting at center you have potential to at least be competitive next year and also maybe make a run at something like the seventh or eighth seed um, if things go really well for you and that's appealing too to not only rebuild long term for the future but not you know go full on process like Philly and be competitive in the short term. Yeah I'm I just hear you talk, and I just think about Marcus Smart being in New Orleans, and I just hate that idea. He's going to give you an excuse to come oh, visit even God. more now, huh? Yeah, I know. Like, like I don't have enough of a draw to be down in New Orleans. Um, 
he's I, I'll tell you if this if this trade actually happens, you're gonna love talking to Marcus Smart. Just from a, a personal perspective as a member of the media, having a guy that is very forthcoming, that is pretty honest with you, that is willing to talk and and appreciates kind of what the job is. Like there's there's some adversarial relationships there between players and media. Uh, and there are a lot of players who just don't like us. And and I get it. I get it, but it's part of the job. And and all we're trying to do is we're just trying to do a job. Like I'm not I'm not there to to mess with anybody. I I have stories to tell. I have a job to do. I've got columns to fill. And smart appreciates that and and at least is open to those you know not all the time but he's he's a very he understands everything and so if if this does get if this does go through you're gonna that's gonna be a guy that you lean on a lot for for quotes and stuff he's Uh, he's gonna be really good having those guys is never a bad thing if you if you need one and and you want a replacement i might just throw it out there that solomon hill is very talkative Ah. and wonderful (laughs) to talk to i'm happy to include him for no additional assets on your part too here in our fake hypothetical trade (laughs) he's an expiring deal like it's actually not the worst thing anymore uh so that's a positive when you start referring to guys like that uh so let me ask you about tatum being the centerpiece and say for Locked On Pels listeners who don't watch him regularly. Can you throw out like a bit of a scouting report on him, what he does well, what he needs to work on, how he could potentially fit in? Yeah, well, he's he needs to work on, first of all, I think he needs to work on his handle. He can, he can do extraordinarily well, like just driving on guys. Uh, he has that potential there on up faking, driving past guys and getting to the rim, getting fouls. Except... A lot of times he, he loses the ball. He's got to work on his strength still, um, and he's got to work on his, his handle getting to the rim and taking those fouls and getting to the line. Uh, he can be a really good shooter. Um, I don't have his numbers. I can pull up his numbers real quick. He's uh, 40% his, from three career, which like kind of jumps out at you. Yeah, his rookie season, he was, uh, he was shockingly good. And last season, he was above average. So 43% from uh, three his rookie season, and then 37%. So there was a drop-off. But you need to understand, like, this past season, it was so different than his rookie season. His rookie season, he was uh, very much just a a spot-up guy. Like, he was very much a all of the big dogs eat first, and then I, I, as the rookie, will get my shots when I need to get my shots. And you say he took three fewer shots per game uh, and one less three per game. He was just standing, catching, shooting, doing what he needed to do as kind of like after Kyrie, after Al Horford, after, you know, Marcus Morris, like all those guys. Now the second season here, he had, he just spent a summer working out with Kobe. And we saw in the first part of the season that he was really going full Kobe, like that Mamba mentality, but not the good one, not the good part where he was just like <laughs> up faking, stepping into long twos. He was trying to back guys down and taking these fadeaway spinning jumpers that, that wouldn't fall. If he learns how to harness that, like he can be, he could be pretty good in the mid range. Um, he loves to isolate and he, he's not good at isolation scoring. 
right now. Uh, I think he can be at some point, but once he gets that strength up and he, once he works on that handle, then a lot of other things snap into place. Um, it's, it's all very raw, but in this, at the same time, he's averaged, you know, 16 points a game last year with a lot of these parts of his game still being raw. He, he can defend, he can block a shot or two. He can rebound, you know, he rebounds pretty well for a, a wing player, long rangy kind of guy. Like he'll, he'll be, uh, he'll be able to do a lot of different things. He's just, he's just very, he, he needs to work on his strength. It, it, that's, that's the bottom line. He just needs to get stronger and, and everything else will follow. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. You can kind of see it in his game too. You know, the the thing that does scare me is kind of the isolation aspect of that. But I also think in more of like, uh, you know, the Alvin Gentry fast-paced offense where this team wants to run and just play in transition as much, it can kind of limit that a little bit too, hopefully, when you're playing less in the half court than you might be in another offense. So kind of minimizes that, which is just a good thing here probably. Yeah, I mean, and I, I like I like the idea of him with – no shackles, you know, like this past season, it was, you, you have to understand also people who are listening, the, the difficulties that the Celtics had this past season, reintroducing Gordon Hayward and Hayward wasn't really ready to play NBA basketball when he first came back. Um, and he had to work through the entire season to get himself back into that level. And the Celtics had no choice. I thought, but to play him because if they didn't, then he wouldn't have improved and, and given them a chance in the playoffs, which still didn't work out. But uh, they they really needed to to work Gordon Hayward in because Gordon Hayward didn't have his whole summer to do so. So that that placed a, a little bit of a burden on Tatum because those are shots that Tatum might have been able to get. Or if if Hayward was ready, then at least Tatum would have understood earlier what was needed of him. Uh, the first 20 games of the season where everything was still trying to be figured out and Kyrie working back into the offense, there were a lot of different things there that limited, I think Tatum in this, in this scenario with the Pelicans, I think he'd be a little bit more free and he wouldn't be taking 13 shots a game. He might be taking 17 or 18 shots a game. And, and those extra five, six shots, they get you in rhythm they allow you to, you know, you see the ball go through the rim and, and now you're, you're getting a little hotter. Uh, maybe a couple more of those are threes and you pump up that scoring average to closer to 20. Uh, a couple of those, like you said, that style, that transition style of basketball, he's getting layups. He can finish, he can dunk on people like he's, that's not a problem for him. So uh, that, I mean, you could be looking at a guy who with just a little bit more opportunity could be a, a 20 plus point per game scorer. Yeah, and no, and it's appealing. So that's why I think this kind of offer has that guy who could be a really good player. You know, I think maybe his ceiling might be like third team All NBA, um, which is still really damn good. So if that's what it ends up being, that's great. Plus, you get the draft compensation, and overall, it's just kind of a complete package. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Celtics package. Why don't we take a break and see what other packages this? This particular one beat out and what in your in our world, because this is the lockdown mock draft in our world, what was thrown at you? So let's take a break and come back and we'll talk about that in just a minute. All right, Jake Celtics won this this deal, but you were telling me that you had a lot of a lot of intriguing offers. You even mentioned one from 
the Clippers. Uh, what was it? Uh, what was the toughest deal? And let's just run through what what you had to pick through. Yeah, so immediately the Lakers came through. So uh, before that, what I think is really interesting about this is like here over in Pelicans land, we've been like projecting what other teams might offer. And that's useful. But also we know from a Pelicans perspective, like I don't know Boston as well as you do. And you understand their mindset a little bit more. So all these other teams in, in you know, their hosts who know these teams better than anyone else making offers kind of gives you more realistic offers, I think, than what we think Anthony Davis should demand, which makes this actually a pretty useful exercise in terms of maybe like calibrating expectations so the Lakers came in right away Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers who I like a lot I think wanted to like really like negotiate and see what we ended up on and I'm like just give me your best offer Um, (laughs) so he started with Ingram the four pick and basically like filler to make the salaries work I have no doubt I could have gotten Lonzo Ball thrown in there as well so it's basically what you had oh Kuzma too It's, it's basically the offer at the trade deadline of like all of their young guys and future draft picks now maybe a little bit more valuable since they jumped up to four versus where they were slotted in the lottery but this is just a draft where you don't want to be four like you had to be third to make that offer somewhat compelling it's Zion then it's you know John Morant and RJ Barrett and then there's a huge drop off in my opinion between three and four and like if they had three you seriously look at that a little bit more uh but also like the Ingram stuff you know I'm not as worried about the blood clot it's upper body that's more important than than it being lower body and it's it's kind of what we talked about in the last segment a lot of those guys are gonna be up for contracts sooner rather than later and like I just don't feel comfortable right now giving Brandon Ingram a max for a guy who does a lot of mid-range and tries to live at the rim a little bit and doesn't shoot threes when I'm drafting Zion Williamson and I want to put a lot of shooters around him like that's an important thing so kind of looking at it like it just really wasn't something that I was going to See, like, I'll consider it, but you know, when the other offers started coming in, like, there's just other directions I wanted to go with it, and just didn't feel that good, and basically kind of like killed that deal soon after. So that was the Lakers one. Then we had probably three other really intriguing ones. The Knicks reached out, basically offered me whoever I wanted, starting with R.J. Barrett, <laughs> Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., Frank T. Lakino, Alonzo Trier. Then Dallas in 2021, it's an unprotected pick. They also have the Dallas 2023 pick, which is top 10 protected and basically like uh, you know moves a little bit and can, if it's not conveyed, becomes a second in 2025. So you know, like a decade from now, it feels like six years. Um, <laughs> Um, so that one's intriguing. It, you know, it depends. Do you really like RJ Barrett in this? I do. I might have him and Morant really close on my board, and I got to watch him a little bit more. And I might be able to put him ahead of Morant um, because I think his upside on like the high, high, high end is like a James Harden esque player. But reaching that's going to be a little bit tough. You know, watching him play at Duke when Zion was out left a lot to be desired. Despite mm-hmm. putting up like a historic scoring season, he's just a little more one-dimensional. I think I can build a more well-rounded team maybe not going with him. Um, but it's out there, and that's at least intriguing. And I can probably get the Knicks to throw in like Mitchell Robinson because there's no reason he should be untradeable for Anthony Davis. So it's an intriguing offer. You know, I don't really care about Kevin Knox. Dennis Smith Jr. could be fine coming off the bench. Frank Tilakina, like whatever he's probably just used wrong and in a bad situation there so there's you know long shot upside Alonzo Trier looked good as a scorer this year it's just it's a lot of youth and you're going like full-on Philly process kind of if you're taking that deal the other yeah yeah, go ahead no 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 I I was just agreeing with you go ahead 
Yeah, like, I, I just, that's, like, too many young guys. Also, like, I've heard yeah, not. Yeah, you can't do, like, I'm sorry, you can't do, like, eight guys for one. No. Like, you just like, don't, it you don't have that. that. You, you you have, like, I don't know, how many guys do you have under contract right now for the, I mean, a one, number two. number of guys are, like, on uh, unguaranteed deals for next year, too. So, like, you can, you know, guys like um, Okafor or Christian Wood, and, like, those guys are, don't yeah. have to be there next year. But I probably also want to keep Okafor over, you know, uh, a guy, uh, you know, maybe over a guy like Kevin Knox or something. So, you know, it kind of, you have to make weird roster decisions. Also, like, you want Drew Holiday to be, like, babysitting, like, that group of weirdos. And I've heard not <laughs> great things about Mitchell Robinson. So, and he's a local guy here, too. So, to not want to bring in a local guy, which is a huge draw here in New Orleans, tells you a lot. Yeah. It's not like those guys all together on the Knicks were were good. Right. <laughs> you're basically bringing the Knicks. You're trading for the Knicks and just adding Zion and Drew Holiday to that mix. Like, yeah. that doesn't... I mean, it sounds like, oh, man, look at all these uh, these players. They have this upside. Like, they, uh, we just watched them all play this season, and they were not good together. So why would why would I, as a Pelican, as, as any team, say, oh, yeah, I'm going to take seven of those guys and bring them back for my one star just because you got R.J. Barrett? I, right, I don't think exactly. So. Like, no. And, you know, the, the I, I had a point, and I forgot what it was going to be with it. But, yeah, basically, <laughs> like, you, you, there's just – there's no need for all of it. Just because a guy's young doesn't mean he actually will develop. And sometimes you can get a pretty good read on a player after a season or two in the NBA and be like, yeah, it's not going to happen. So I think you kind of see that. Like, Kevin Knox had one of the worst rookie years ever last year. We already went through that with Austin Rivers here in New Orleans a number of years ago back in 2012. We don't need that. So kind of moved on from there, but it's at least intriguing. The third pick, and if you really like Barrett, that deal looks good. It just hinges on what you think his ceiling's going to be and if he's going to be able to reach it. The out-of-nowhere offer that kind of surprised me was the Portland Trailblazers reaching out, offering C.J. McCollum, Zach Collins, Anthony Simmons, an unprotected, their unprotected pick in this draft, so 25, and then a top three protected 2022 first-round pick um, with top three protected in 23 and then unprotected in 2024, uh, meaning it's probably going to convey in 2022, particularly if Dame signs the Supermax there. That's intriguing if you want to just win right now. Like a, a backcourt between Drew Holiday and CJ McCollum is pretty fun. You know, um, Zach Collins had a couple moments where he looked decent, particularly in the playoffs, so nothing that kind of blows you away. Anthony Simmons is a, an intriguing young guy, but the draft picks at 25 and then a top three protected in 2022, which frankly should convey outside of the lottery during that time, that's just not enough to move it over the edge. I don't know. So McCollum's contract is basically lined up exactly with Drew Holiday's. I just don't know if I want to pay those two dudes, you know, 50 plus million combined over the next couple of years when you're trying to kind of have more cap space, use that as an asset to maybe bring in some things because you're not really going to be competing for three years or so. And by then they're starting to come up on the end of the deals. And it was like, well, what was the point if you're not going to make a deep playoff run with CJ McCollum? You know, why, why move Anthony Davis for that and then not set yourself up for as long term future? But they were kind of the surprise team um, that kind of came out of nowhere. And then their host of Locked On, um, as I blank, 
trailblazers. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> said they made a huge run at uh, Paul George a couple years ago, which I had forgotten about, and were convinced they could get him to stay with their culture with Damian Lillard and keep him in Portland. So for them to kind of roll the dice on Anthony Davis makes a lot of sense. And it's like, I think we've kind of, you and I have talked about it on Locked on NBA a lot. We've kind of seen the ceiling of the Portland Trailblazers. It was this past mm-hmm. year. Like, you're not getting past the Western Conference Finals with that team. So why not make a big shake-it-up move for Anthony Davis? So I just kind of like them being so bold with that and willing to kind of, like, go for it to see uh, what would happen. So that was uh, pretty pretty fun to hear. And just, again, it's interesting. The deal, though, that was maybe the toughest one to choose between yours was the Clippers. And they kind of offered a lot. They did Shai Gilgis-Alexander... Landry Shamit, Danilo Gallinari, who's got like $26 million of, un- of expiring money. The 2021 unprotected Miami first round pick, which could be pretty valuable. And a 2020 Philadelphia first round pick. Maybe Jerome Robinson thrown in there. You could also probably get them to throw in Montrez Harrell as well, particularly if they think trading for Anthony Davis means they get Kawhi Leonard or another star. That's a really intriguing offer for a number of reasons. Um, Shaq Gilgis Alexander and Landry Shamet are rookies this past year, so you've got them for three more years before you need to give them extensions. Both showed at times a lot of promise. I think Shamet kind of reminds me a little bit of J.J. Redick, and he is yep. a shooter, and that's a very valuable dude to have. Shaq Gilgis Alexander's got a lot of development to do, but defensively, he's pretty good he's got a good enough shot just enough playmaking that you know a core of those two guys and and uh, Zion Williamson there's there's a lot of potential there in the future the thing is one day you're going to get to the point where you've got to pay them all almost in the same season or so and all of a sudden your cap explodes so it kind of comes into that staggering issue we talked a little bit about before but you also get get, uh, Gallinari's expiring contract combine that with Salmon Hill that's 35 million dollars or so coming off the books. $37 $37 million. That's pretty intriguing. You get the draft compensation from Miami. What ultimately swayed me on this was just Shai Gilgis-Alexander, despite starting like three weeks into the year, for the first, I don't know, half of the year, two-thirds of the year, just didn't look that good. Started to come on late. And if he had another year, and we were talking about this in his second year, and he looked pretty good his whole second year, I'd probably take this deal, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's an interesting deal. Um I like I actually I like that deal. Um and it's very, very competitive yeah. with the with the Celtics offer. The Miami pick the Miami pick really is a wild card. What's Miami gonna be? And that was the twenty one yeah, unprotected. Yeah, so Miami right now pulling up their cap sheet, uh twenty twenty one, I mean this is that's where a lot of they they're dead money. I mean, not dead money, but <laughs> might as well be dead money. Like all of the money. You look at oh, all all of their six men. <laughs> they have a te- they have like nine guys that would win six man of the year on like any team, and then they have to start like five of them. Yeah, and it's funny because the reason I'm laughing is I'm looking at all of these guys making uh, like fifteen million dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's like all of these eight figure salaries that are just wow. Um, I don't know, like the 2021. So Whiteside would be gone. Like all of these guys would be gone theoretically. Yeah. Um, even even if Kelly Olynyk sticks around and exercises his team option, that's that summer would be 
the his free agency. So they they could be bad. They very well could be bad. But at the same time, I don't think Pat Riley is one to just let the team be bad. And they are creative and they they won't just fade into obscurity, you know, like a lot of these no, guys not at all. So I can see them working a deal out for like Drogic or, you know, whatever they end up doing with, with Whiteside, they can use these expiring contracts to build assets. So that 2021 pick, maybe, maybe it's bad. Maybe it's, maybe it's better than we expected. That's hard to tell the Memphis pick. I think you could project out. Yeah, it's a little bit easier to see where that that's going to like I I like that Memphis pick maybe more so than the four pick in this draft just because of the big drop off between three and four. And then like the middle like from four to twelve, like all of those guys are just going to be role players, in my opinion, and nothing more. Uh, So like I I value that Memphis pick pretty highly because of how it like compares to this draft class. Yeah. And I think one thing here with all of these offers um, well, not all, but like the Lakers offer, if it's um, if it's Ingram and Ball and Kuzma, like we've seen that mix together. Yes. And either either you like it or you don't. And do you like those three guys? If you, it, it really depends on who you value more. Do you like the upside of Lonzo Ball, or do you dislike the things that he can't do well and don't think that he will ever do well? What do you what do you project Kyle Kuzma to be? Like if you think Kyle Kuzma can develop into a a third option down the road, then then yeah, that's valuable. Or if you don't, then it, it just it depends on how you personally value each of these players. And I mean you can say that in any trade, but the thing about the Boston trade, it's it's two of it's two guys, not five guys. And those two guys in a different situation, plus the picks. Um, it, it just, it, you don't have a situation like we said with the Knicks, like we've seen all of this. It didn't work. At least these two guys from Boston, we've seen it work. Those two guys were on the team that went to the conference finals. Those two guys were on a team that, that made it to the second round this year. Granted, they were very disappointing, but (laughs) they, they were, they were, they were part of a team that has at least playoff experience has seen it. Um, the Clippers pick, uh, the Clippers offer, I think is, is very, very intriguing because Shamit out, you know, you put Shamit on Zion's side of the floor and just make him a, you know, that shooting threat really gives Zion space. And that's something that you're definitely going to need. Um, I, I can see the, the value of that. The Blazers offer super interesting. It's reminiscent and it's not the exact same situation. I feel like the Blazers are reminiscent of last season's Raptors in a way where you kind of see this is as far as you're going to get. And maybe if they had Nurkic, they could have they, they could have advanced. But even if they did, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think they've they've kind of reached as far as they're going to go. And offering up a McCollum is somewhat similar to offering up DeMar DeRozan. Not that they're the same players and they're not for the same reason necessarily because DeRozan had other issues, but it's 
almost like a Western Conference version of that. You gotta you gotta be bold and understand that we need to make a deal for that megastar to pair along with our our star point guard and and push us over the top. Yeah, entirely. I, I get it. I get why they did it. And I asked him if it was because of Toronto. He said, no, it's more just they did this after Paul George. And I think they've wanted to do this for a while to get that like second superstar to pair with Damian Lillard. And uh, I thought that, again, just really intriguing. But I get why they do it. It's just It just kind of doesn't fit with what the Pelicans are going to be doing going forward. As much as I like CJ McCollum and a backcourt with him and Holiday is going to be fun. It just... From my perspective, I looked at it, and it's like they're probably offering the best player out of all the ones there. It just doesn't make sense, though. Yeah. Um, intriguing. And I think, really, like I said this of our building the Celtics roster pieces, which we did on MassLive.com, which all last week was well, you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday we did. What if... How do you build a roster around Kyrie and Anthony Davis or neither of those guys or just Anthony Davis? And it wasn't specifically to say these are the guys you should get. An exercise like this is to show the people who are reading or you who is listening to this what might be available. What might the the Pelicans be getting from these other teams like there's a reason why the locked on blazers guy said let's do this and and it's something that the blazers themselves might think there's a reason why the locked on clippers said here's here's shaman and gilgis alexander and in this package because they are we talk about local experts everybody here who's making these offers has a real strong pulse of their team and they know what their team needs so it's fair to say there there will be a surprise like a trailblazers offer it, that's something that could happen it, it was interesting so i reached out to adam Maz of um locked on nuggets because i was i wanted to see if they might have any interest and he came back with like basically like a crap offer that was more or less like yeah i don't see them doing it so maybe they'll they'll toss you some scraps and see if you say yes but yep. it was more just like nah denver's not going to do this when for here in new orleans we've kind of been projecting them as to maybe be like a dark horse surprise team but then you get the guy who's the expert on them being like yeah no that's not going to happen which i th- and that's why i think this is such a useful exercise for us being fake gms and making fake trades because everyone here in New Orleans thought Denver would get into this. Maybe we need to kind of let that idea go, just like they're all saying, hey, the the Pelicans better get Tatum and Brown from the Celtics, and I asked you about it, and you were like, no, it's too much, not going to happen. Yeah, and, and it depends on, like, obviously I'm trying to be, you you want to get the best deal for your, yeah. your team. I, I would love, love to keep both of or one of those two guys and you can make it work without including those two guys. And there are other packages that can work. I mean, mm-hmm. depending on what's, what's new Orleans appetite for Gordon Hayward. So uh, you're going to need to throw like that's, so I kind of look at him in the same vein of Solomon Hill, just based off last year, like he's a good player, but because of that contract, you probably need to like toss in more to sweeten the deal for me to take that on. Not, you know, it's because I just don't think that's really what they want to kind of deal with and the money that he right. gets right now. So, like, 
yeah, we can probably work something out where he's included in, but you're going to need to then like throw something else in even more to kind of like make up for including Gordon Hayward, which shows you kind of how far he might have fallen over that injury. Yeah, and then that's and that's why I never even thought about that offer. I mean, aside from me thinking that Gordon Hayward is going to come back and be be pretty good next year, um, I, I just don't see. I, I think in that scenario, that would be a well. You, if you had insisted, you have to take Solomon Hill. Right. You have to get him out of here. Then, then you have to like. You got to make the salaries work. Then it just is like a math thing. But like Solomon Hill's an expiring, so I can't imagine where they're going to be like, yes, give me three more years worth of money, and you take this one that's only one year. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that when we're we're trying to put these things together, like I'm looking at it from a Celtics perspective. And I don't know how aggressive Danny Ainge is going to be. And, and this is all, of course, on the assumption that Kyrie is coming back when you make this deal. Like, and, and now you start to hear some rumblings that if Kyrie isn't coming back and if the Celtics think that Kyrie is definitely gone, then maybe they don't make this deal. Maybe Boston pulls out of the, the sweepstakes altogether and says, you know what, screw it. We're going to go with Tatum. We're going to go with Brown. Marcus Smart's our point guard. They're young. We can build around these guys. We'll we'll use our cap space. We'll do whatever we need to do, and we'll just it's, take a step backwards. But we're not going to trade for Anthony Davis, give up all of these assets for Anthony Davis, and then struggle to put a team around him and watch him leave. Like that's what you don't want to do is put Anthony Davis in another New Orleans position where he's the only star, and it depends on what Gordon Hayward is, but if you you still don't have a third star, if Gordon Hayward comes back and reaches an all-star potential, like it doesn't, it's not the same selling point. So it, it's, it's very, it, it, there's a, there are a lot of possible uh, scenarios here. And, and again, back to the original point for people who are listening, the, the Pelicans are going to get the offers you expect. They're going to get probably a surprise offer. And there's going to be an offer from somebody else that's going to be like, hmm, this is very tough. And I don't know which one. And it's just going to be like, you made your decision, Jake. Mm-hmm. What's Griffin What's Griffin going to value? Right. Who, what players does he value? Maybe he doesn't think the same of Jason Tatum as you do. And and then that could swing it. It's just, That becomes personal preference and, and the preference of your talent evaluators versus what how you personally evaluate talent. Yeah, exactly. Like ultimately this comes down to what asset do you like the most? Is it Ingram? Is it Brown? Is it Tatum? Is it, uh, you know, a draft pick? Is it RJ Barrett? And that's going to kind of be what makes or breaks the deal. And, you know, I'm one guy who I think kind of knows what the Pelicans want to do. And that's why I went with this direction. But yeah, certainly like this could come out of left field and it'll be like, he just really likes this dude. So all of a sudden you're going to see AD in Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, he's going to end up somewhere. I, I, you, We'll wrap it up with this final question for you. I've heard a lot about Griffin trying to sell Anthony Davis on staying. What are the odds? Do you think of that? Low, like he's certainly going to, and that should be his plan a, like there's no doubt about that. And they've kind of, you know, turned this franchise around over the course of like 50 days or so since he's been hired. But 
From what I gather and from talking to people, AD still wants out. You know, it was reported after they met last week. He still wants out. This is no surprise. He's going to be traded. I think one of the reasons you're hearing Griffin say all of this stuff is it just means you better come with your best offer. Otherwise, we could drag this out to the trade deadline and you're not going to get him to all of these prospective teams. Remember, the Lakers started their original offer that was built around um, so, uh, like it was it was centerpieced by draft picks and Michael Beasley and Rondo. And it's just like, stop wasting our time so I think it's more to do with that I'll give it like a three percent chance he stays here to start the year all right fair enough well uh well we'll just watch and see yeah we're gonna find out now like you know (laughs) the the kind of the countdown is on so something will get done I think sooner rather than later um or at least agreed upon based off what we talked about at the beginning of this so we'll see how it goes but it's an intriguing time and there's gonna be a lot of leaks and offers being thrown around all right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening a little bit longer today as John and I go deep into the Anthony Davis trade talk with all of the teams, particularly the Boston Celtics, where I have fake traded him to for our upcoming NBA mock draft. Let me know what you think about the deal. It's at Nola Jake on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening, and I'll be back with you all next time.